right. I have my things. I have my tea. I've eaten a frankfurter. Let's do this thing. All right. You ready, Joe? <clears throat> I was ready. And I'm going to try and not call you Kev. Yeah, well, I, 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 that won't last very long. <laughs> no, sorry, dude. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Call you JT. No, you cannot call you, me JT. Makes oh. you sound proper gangster. Yo, because I'm with it. Hey everyone, this is Cheesy, bringing you another episode of the Changing Times podcast, where we talk about anything and everything transformation related. So like always, bringing you another exciting episode for season 5. I'm sure you will enjoy what you have to hear from these two wonderful individuals we have tonight. Uh, one little thing I want to apologize for for this episode in particular I do sound a bit hoarse uh, or gravely even for this episode, so I do apologize for that. Uh, at the time of this recording, I was a bit down with uh, uh, a cold, a little bit late in the season at that, so I was trying to deal and cope with that as best I could for the recording. Uh, for the sake of uh, the scheduling, uh, it was a bit tight having everybody come in at a good time for uh, that would work out for all of us, but I was at least glad that we were able to organize that and uh, that they were able to deal with me even though I was uh, having that bit of an issue for this recording. But uh, other than that, I do appreciate the two of them for coming in, uh, especially with the bit of a unusual or uh, tight, like I said, timing between the time zones for both me and the uh, the other two for the podcast so uh again i appreciate them for coming in and uh, one other little thing i want to say uh there was a correction as per requested by one of the podcasters um in regards to the uh, url link for her uh transformation hosted site that she uh posts some of her art on i think i did um misplace or um incorrectly placed a hyphen in between one of the words for that link so i will definitely relink that later on at the end of the episode that way you don't get sent to a website that you were not at all intended to go to so uh, i will definitely give you that correct information at the end of the episode that way we don't have people coming to me saying that they have some sort of strange virus or unusual pop-ups on their computers. Uh, another thing is um, I will also give some updated information to that uh, information to that site, as her site has recently updated since the time of this recording. So uh, you will hear more about what she's been doing recently uh, since the time of this recording, so you can get a better idea of what she's been up to. So uh, in that regard, I won't rant any longer other than, uh, like usual, 
If you have any recommendations or any advice for the podcast, please send them my way. And um, I won't link the information here for the sake of boring you to death with always linking that information. So for your sake, I will just simply post that information and the details for this podcast. So um, like always, I appreciate everybody for listening in. So uh, this is Cheesy with The Changing Times, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Everybody, you're listening to the Changing Times, the Transformation Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything transformation related. So tonight, I am joined by two fantastic people from across the waters. Uh, one goes by the name of Jao Genitsu. He is a TF fanatic and also your local werewolf wrestler by the name of. Uh, what was his name again? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're doing so Mar-O-Grim. well. Mar- yes, that's what it is. I know it started with an M. <laughs> then I drew a blank. Yes, so uh, he's your local transformation... I'm sorry, your local werewolf wrestler, Magrim. And more on that later on. And uh, my other fantastic person here is going by the name of Urban Vixen, a.k.a. Foxy Dragon. She is a uh, transformation artist, and we can speak more in detail as well about her own little um, spiel with the uh, TF clinic that she currently hosts as well. And uh, much to entail with all that matter. So uh, on to the show. So uh, starting off with a few things here, of course, um, let's talk about the origin of both your names here, since that is sort of the reoccurring question for all the podcasts. So uh, let's start off with you, Jack and Nick Sue, since you're a little unique in the matter. Sure, no worries. Okay, so yeah, it's pronounced Jaoganetsu. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful. And the idea that the, the name originates from uh, my days playing the Yu-Gi-Oh card game back when I was a youngster. And uh, we used to travel around the country, London, Birmingham, all over the place to go to big events. Uh, one of the first times that we did a London event, uh, I was playing a game, uh, a deck at the time uh, composed of a combination between a card called Jalganetsu the Spiritualist and Last Turn. The idea being that if you have Jalganetsu the Spiritualist on the field and you play Last Turn, that would be the last turn of the game and you would win. So when I was joining the furry fandom back when I was about 17, 18, uh, I decided I need an online moniker. And taking Jalgan the Spiritualist um, that I was using prominently at the time, uh, a friend was like, well, I'll just like, you know, modify it a bit. And there you go. So I'm like, oh, okay. And he came up with the idea of Jalganetsu and I was like, yeah, that sticks. That'll do. Um, and I took that and that's what became my online handle in the furry fandom. And it's been like that ever since really. So do you kind of find that the, um, this character that you relate yourself to has sort of the same characteristics that you also do have in uh, real life? Yeah, Jalganetsu is, is is me, just an anthropomorphic wolf most of the time. Okay, cool. So how about you, uh, Urban Vixen? Uh, I know you 
we're, we're dealing with two names here compared to your FA yeah. and all that. So uh, let's talk a little bit of the history behind your uh, your pen name or your artist name for both that matter. Well, the, the long story short is when it all started, I mean, I've been submitting art to the furry fandom since I was about 14. So back then, I mean, having a name wasn't really top on my list of priorities. I just loved the artwork, loved the community, wanted to draw some of it myself. So when I actually came to create a character, it was 50% what I identified with. And as Jao said, you know, my character, my avatar is just me in that form. So it was 50% drawing myself, but it was also 50% drawing what I liked to draw at the time. So I was like, yeah, big foofy tails. All right, let's get a fox in there. And I, <laughs> I love drawing dragons. And so let's get some dragon wings. And lo and behold, I, I had this thing and it was a bit of a fox and a bit of a dragon. And so really imaginatively, I started calling myself Foxy Dragon. Um, and a bunch of eventually, of course, I started hanging out with furs a lot more and actually met a few guys in real life uh, through fur meets and things. And people start to say, look, you, you, you need a name. You, you need a tag name. You just, just, just pick one. Just go for it. So I went with Foxy Dragon. And as time went on, I mean, I, I had a bunch of other names and, and ideas and sort of things that rather than just really a, a description, which what that was. And Urban Vixen, like I've ended up being, was originally I, I liked it, but I put it down because, of course, the initials are UV and I'm not a neon uh, I, I'm not a, a big glowy creature. And I thought my nickname would end up being UV and that just didn't work for me. And <laughs> lo and behold, of course, a few years go by and people just start calling me. I start going by Urban Vixen. People start calling me Urban. And yeah, that's me. And that's so that's what I go. It's like, yeah, Urban Vixen. Cool. That's exactly. Yep. This absolutely fits. And oh, crap. My FA account is Foxy Dragon. There's no way to change the name. And it's where all my watches are. <laughs> So that's basically why I have the two names at the moment. Um, I'm still, I've got Urban Vixen on FA. I'm still trying to work out how to transition or what, what to do with the two accounts. But yeah, so it just, it, it was kind of an organic process, really. I never really sat down and went, I, I need a name from somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very much a city dweller. I, I grew up in the countryside, but couldn't imagine going back there now. And I've got a load of very foxy traits. So Urban Vixen. Well enough. So um, <clears throat> since we're speaking a little bit of a uh, role play on both your matters here, uh, sort of a reoccurring question that's been uh, going on in previous podcasts is sort of the idea of um, a furry or an anthropomorph. So uh, obviously the word furry refers to a um, sort of a categorization um that's both welcomed by the community and the general public. But of course, the question is, what really defines a furry? I don't believe there's really an official uh, definition for it, as um, <laughs> some would say they are, some would say they're not, but those looking from the outside in would say they are. So um, in that matter, do you both um, refer to yourselves as furry or do you relate to yourselves to that sort of uh, moniker or anything like that so um, just a little bit of a oh. uh, description on that matter absolutely absolutely uh, I am a furry Jow is a furry um, and quite you know it, it's not something that we go out of our way to tell people it's not like hello nice to meet you I am a fur but absolutely, I mean, I, I'd never dodge away from the definition. Um, funnily enough, 
I had a really weird experience lately. You mentioned about people not being quite happy to go by the name. Because um, like I said just a minute ago, I mean, when for me, it was all about the artwork. That's how I got into it. And, you know, we're talking 15 years ago now, which is a bit crazy. Um, but I actually find it quite bizarre now how people don't want to be called furry. Because for me, it's the thing of, if you like having yourself, if you if you feel an animal represents you, or you like to have yourself drawn as an animal, or you just if you like furry artwork, heck, if you like TF and you like to be transformed into a furry animal, I don't really see any problem with you know, calling yourself furry, even if you don't represent yourself as that animal. But I had someone recently I was talking to, and she makes anthropomorphic costumes. She's not a fursuit artist. But she makes them for stage productions. When she did her uni course, that was her big project. And I'm just chatting with this girl about 3 a.m. at a party. I'm like, oh, cool, so you're a furry. And she looks at me like I've just insulted her mother and goes, no, I'm not. <laughs> I see. And yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of why I just kind of laughed awkwardly and I kind of double took. And it took me a minute to realize that for her, not being in the furry fandom, um, I mean, we, I don't know if there's actually a technical term for this, but between Zhao and me, we tend to refer to it as being a fervert, um, you know, just being into <laughs> the sexual aspect. But you see, you know, you can be a furry and a fervert, or you can be a furry and have no interest in that, or, you know, and it, it's not meant as a, like a, a label. It's just, you know, you know, it's sort of a thing to throw around between good friends. Oh, you're such a fervert. Um, but for her, the second I said, oh, you're a furry, she immediately went, it must be all about the sex. And yet, 14 years ago, if she'd been making anthropomorphic costumes, she wouldn't have encountered the sexual aspect at all. She'd have just ended up in the furry fandom. And I find that really, uh, it's quite sad how it's changed to be a, a label that people feel they have to wear. Whereas for me, I mean, furry is just... Yeah, sometimes sometimes it's deeper. I mean, I've got boxy characteristics, you know, enjoy a scritch, you know, things like that. And obviously I love drawing furry artwork. Sometimes it's just a case of I'm a furry. I go to fur meets, hang out with furs and love animals. You know, it's deeper or shallow as you want it to be. It's, it's quite sad now that it's, you are a furry <laughs> kind of thing. Yes, well, I would sense. say uh, that does make sense. Um, but Whereas I'd say like my answer to that would be, the the sweeping generalization of what being a furry is like the furry fandom if you are a in the furry fandom you are a fan of anthropomorphic animals like a furry is someone who enjoys anthropomorphic animals in whatever medium in whatever way that's the sweeping you know generalization of the term right so it's a nice you, that's a nice broad one like yeah if if you enjoy watching furry cartoon shows like if you if you enjoy looking or drawing furry art if you enjoy reading furry fiction um that kind of makes you a furry it's much in the same way as like you know maybe watching star trek religiously doesn't make you a hardcore trekkie but if you watch it like once a week you're still a star trek fan yeah and that's actually quite weird we don't have a term maybe we need one so that people can feel comfortable going, oh, no, no, I don't spend, you know, 17 hours of my week on FA, but, you know, on there on the weekends. I, I think people are people, worried. You... People are worried that, like, um, letting themselves be known as a furry, it kind of, like, opens the doors, like, 
it could be a gateway to other things and they don't want to be maybe let that cat out of the bag like that's fair enough um but it's got to a point now where like it seems if you if you can't as furry you're like oh so yeah you must be all about the sex and and that's not the case like i'm not a very sexual furry at all i'm still a fervert <laughs> but i'm not a you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not a I'm not there. I'm not looking at the porn like all the time. I have access to it, but yeah. <laughs> but it's really weird that for us in the furry fandom, that's even a question because I've always said the internet's like a human brain. You know, a, a percentage of it is dedicated to sex. You know, it's just just how it is. It's quite bizarre that when it comes to the furry fandom, as opposed to anything else, I mean, I'm sure some tennis people who love tennis, there's got to be a very small portion of people who love tennis who love a tennis fetish. You know, I mean, anything can be a fetish. It's very strange that sexuality is natural, but for us, it's kind of been drawn into the, you know, the part and parcel. People seem um, to forget, though, that people seem to forget that if you like fetishes doesn't always equal sexual. You you can have a furry fetish. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have a furry fetish without, without being sexual about it. Like, you know, fetish does not equal sexual. But people seem to be forgetting I, this. I, I'd say we maybe need to draw a line under this because we're about to talk on a really interesting issue that we could probably talk the whole show about. This is TF show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, sorry. So as far as TF goes, I would say that I'm TF. But that's all right with you, Cheesy. Mm-hmm. Oh. As far as TF goes, I would say that I'm TF sexual. I found out that I had an interest in transformation long before I realized what my sexuality was. Okay. So are you both of you saying then that um, in terms of the uh, transformation side of it, uh, as far as those who may be coming from uh, the transformation niche going into the furries, um, that even since they're looking or viewing all these anthropomorphic content, that they could also be considered furries? I, I wouldn't force a label on anyone. I mean, if the label's inclusive, if it's a case of, you know, there's no reason to feel excluded from the furry fandom, come on in, guys. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, we have like um, a revolving door. Call... <laughs> Except very <laughs> people leave again. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if people leave, want to come in, come great. Back. If people, yeah. If people feel like if they look at it, they have to be involved in the furry fandom, then I, I wouldn't want anyone to feel like they had to stick a label on themselves. No, like labels are okay to a certain extent, but the thing about labels is that they tend to fall off after a while. <laughs> Where do you read so, that? Uh, well. <laughs> it's a good one though, I like it. Um, so if you're a transformation fan, there are definite certain things that would cross over with the fairy fandom. Like, you know, there are certain if you especially if you like animal TF or anthropomorphic TF, you know, that's definitely gonna going to have some crossover. It doesn't make you a furry. Like, a furry, again, is like, are you a fan of anthropomorphic animals in media? In whatever medium? You know? So, no. The, the TF fandom and the furry fandom are separative, but there's also crossover potential. And there's nothing wrong with that. Something interesting occurs to me that um, when I started, of course, I naturally went from furry and progressed into transformation not because I wasn't into transformation, but because, I mean, like I said, I was about 14. Humans are harder to draw than animals. 
because as viewers, even of your own work, you pick up on the mistakes a lot more easily with humans. So for me, as or and probably possibly for any artist, it's a lot easy. It's a lot more natural to start as a furry because it's easier to draw and then get to the point where you can draw your transformation. Whereas as a pure fan, I mean that wouldn't really be a consideration. So it's up to the person at the end of the day. Yeah. So it, hopefully, that's the, that's hopefully the they feel thing. welcome. By the way. Yeah, I don't hope so. Like that's the the great thing about the furry fandom is that it is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A fursona is, uh, you know, in some situations to some people, it's an extension of their, their selves, like with myself and urban vixen, um, to others, they create characters that they can then slip into, um, to, to enjoy role play with or, or whatnot, or they can, you know, commission art of something that isn't necessarily connected to themselves. So they, they're more easy with that aspect. Whereas I'm like, no, I, I kind of tick the boxes on all, all of these things. Like I, I, I'm, I have very wolfish traits to, to, to myself. Um, but mostly it comes down to the fact that as a youngster, you know, werewolves and transformation, um, you know, played a prominent role in my, in my younger years. So it was only natural that eventually I would become a, you know, a, a furry and a wolf in the furry fandom. Okay. Do you remember years ago when the internet was divided as to whether people were furries, therianthropes, lycanthropes? There were about six or seven other definitions. Um, it's completely blown over now, but it, it was that really interesting thing that it used to be really important for people to know which one they were. And now it's a case <laughs> of, yeah, it's a case of whatever you like, man. You know? Yeah, like wh- whatever, whatever's cool. That's the great thing about it. Like it doesn't. It, the, the, it doesn't really matter to anyone else. It really only matters to you. And I'm, I'm like, obviously, the, the, I'm fairly sure there's the, the Ther- Therians and the other kin and, and all those communities are still thriving as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, um, I don't think it's got to the point where like, oh, no, you know, you're a Therian, so you can't be a furry. Or you're a furry, <laughs> but, so you can't be yeah. a Therian. But I'm like, I'm fairly sure they all just cross over and mingle. Like, you know. And it's inclusive now. It's not exclusive, which is the good thing. Yeah, I see a lot less segregation. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, so, that question. We just spun that right out, didn't we? We definitely Sorry. did. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. No Talk problem. to you. <laughs> so in that regards, then, um, just to kind of move towards the focus on the transformation part of the, um, part of the subject here, um, what sort of uh, content or uh, within the transformation subject itself fascinates you to here that brought you in or kind of capsates you even now and um, kind of, you know, gives you that um, loss for words here. Instant gratification. I, I know what you yeah. mean. Yes. Well, I guess. Well, not instant gratification, but. What, what is compelling? Is yes. What what yeah. grabs your interest with the transformation genre here that keeps you going? So uh, I'll go ahead and let you guys choose who starts first. <laughs> Do you want to take this one, Joe? Uh, okay. Yeah. Why not? So <laughs> I have to put most of the blame on TV shows in the late eighties, early nineties that dealt with transformation as a prominent theme. Like there were, there were several 
cartoons and shows that utilized it as a plot device, or there are even um, shows that used it more than a plot device. They integrated it into their overarching plots as well. Um, most notably, I remember back in the day. <laughs> most notably, I remember Gargoyles. back in the day. Yeah, Gargoyles was a huge one. Like as like Disney, really like threw the ball in with that one. Like they they took the ball and they ran with it with Gargoyles. It's a shame that it only lasted three years, but that show was really good and it dealt with TF in a way that not many shows did at the time. Uh, there were a few very good ones uh, that spring to mind from Gargoyles, like the the mm-hmm. Fox transformation. There was an awesome episode where they dealt with like uh, Anansi, like in Africa, and there were like were panthers and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And then they had like human to gargoyle and gargoyle to human transformations as well. Um, so that was cool. There was like Disney's Aladdin was also doing TF as well at the time. Um, but I remember specifically back when I was in like year four. So I would have been about seven, six or seven. Um, Animorphs started popping up in my school library. And I quickly got into those. Like I was already interested in, in, in like running around as an animal in my in younger years anyway. And as soon as I saw the front covers of those with like the, the transformation from the human kid into the animal, like I was hooked and I, I instantly started collecting those. And Animorphs was a fantastic young, young child series that dealt with dark themes, but also, you know, transformation like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm fairly sure I watched American Wealth in London at, a, at, a, at an age where um, I got a different sort of enjoyment out of it <laughs> than most people do. Okay. So, so I kind of blame that as well. Right. Uh, and yeah, so mostly feral TF was what brought me into it. Um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, that release from being human to animal and all the fun that comes with it, like the instincts and the stuff that you have to, you have an inner battle. Um, yeah, Feral TF is what brought me into the TF fandom for sure. Okay. So, uh, is that sort of the consistency, uh, sorry, consistency within all these, uh, different shows and movies that you listed here that sort of graphs your intention even till now? Yeah, like it's still, it still holds a, a very firm part over me to this day. Okay. That's why we're here. Interesting enough. So what about you here, Mr. Urban Vixen? What is your opinion on that matter? Uh, uh, opinion? Uh, well, opinion is, yeah, I, I too grew up with all the same shows. Um, but when it comes, I mean, and I, I love them, and actually I own the Gargoyles box set, and I rewatched it recently, and there is an awful lot of really good TF in there. It's awesome. Yeah. Very visceral growing that. And actually, if I, if I had to use, I'm going to say one word that describes what really compels me about transformation, and the word is visceral. And again, we were talking about it's not always in anything. It's not always sexual. But the thing for me is the physicality of it. And as an artist, I'm endlessly fascinated by, I mean, going through, I've got so many anatomy books, both for humans and for animals, and just working it out, working out that, because of course we all evolved at at some point ages ago from a common ancestor. If 
Whereas evolution may be a contentious issue for some. Um, but let's just take that as, you know, with the anatomy and things. Um, but just the fact that, you know, a horse's hooves, if you take your hand and point it and curl it and then stick the things in such a way you can see how actually we both line up and the pull from one form to another like that. I mean, my um, probably my first realisation, uh, again, long before I realised I was really into TF, was actually a scene from Willow, which not many people talk about. But uh, basically <laughs> the evil shot. witch trans. Yeah, she transforms them all into pigs and they fall to the ground. And there are some really close. I mean, it probably looks terrible now. Uh, you know, special <laughs> effects do that. <laughs> Break our hearts uh, when we look back at it years later. But it was really physical about transformation. And whether I'm doing something like the TF Clinic where um, it's a voluntary transformation and it's slow, or whether it's something like um, another complete uh, polar opposite kind of transformation I love is werewolf transformations where it's like an explosive rip, uh, you know, from, from a usually smaller, weaker form to that raw power and ferocity of that big guru-esque form. It's that physicality. Uh, as a fan, it's the physicality I love. As an artist, it's, it's working through that physicality. And, and that's really what compels me. And that's why, you know, I could see a hundred artists deal with exactly the same subject matter. You know, if they were given an, an artist challenge, do the same thing and all of the different ones, the way different people would deal with it. That fascinates me with that physicality. Um, so that's what it's about for me. Okay. Uh, but also, I mean, yeah, like, like Jow, I, I love the, the change of mindset, but that it's, doesn't have to be in all the TF. I like, uh, I just, I do like TF that does that as well. Okay. So do you feel that, um, since you said you were coming from, uh, the furry, furry side of the uh, spectrum here, that having that being your previous interest, did that sort of serve as a gateway going into the transformation genre and uh, get you to where you are now? Absolutely. Um, again, for me, the the lines were never hard and fast, you know, because I never set out to become a furry. I, I ended up in the furry fandom because I drew anthropomorphic artwork. Um, so yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I drew animals and do anthropomorphic artwork was because I was fascinated with, you know, with animals, animal mindsets, with animal anatomy. So I, I think it was, it was more of a natural progression and more as an artist, I was then able to, and as I got older as well, I was able to think about it and able to explore it more. Uh, I guess, yeah, I'd almost look at it as an extra layer of the cake rather than something coming from another one. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, similar with me and myself, like um, <clears throat> I was obviously a TF fan and a werewolf fan before I realised what the fairy fandom was, before I even knew it existed. Um, so oh, as yeah. soon as I found out that there was a whole group of people that represented themselves with animal um, avatars as such, I was like, oh, that sounds pretty awesome. That's pretty much what I would do. So yeah, I, I kind of just like slipped in. <laughs> it's, it's, just another, it's just another layer to the facet, really. Although funnily enough, it brings up a memory that, yeah, I was, I'm sure this must be really universal, but I was one of those kids who, when I was bored, like in assembly at school, I'd imagine about, or what would happen now if I transformed into a dragon and then flew out the window and then burned down the school or, you know, or just flew <laughs> off and had an adventure or whatever. You know, everyone has those kind of daydreams. But yeah, even from that age, it was transformation. I just, and I guess, again, the fact there's a transformation community now makes you feel like you then become part of the transformation community whereas back then it was just a transformation it's awesome um well yeah i mean i had the yeah. same sort of daydreams too i 
the TF community transformation is a form of escapism. So yeah, I'd imagine that pretty much every TF fan has had those daydreams at some point. Oh, it's a big philosophical point there. We're having a philosophical one. We are having like, like what it is. Who doesn't want to escape from the from the confines of a human life, you know, to to enjoy um, you know a, a very visceral and um, sensual transformation into something else that you know at least, even for a short time you can use to you know leave your troubles behind and and run through the woods for a bit. That'd be pretty awesome. I think for some also they'd see it feel more like an enhancement rather than an escape, but. Again, that's the beauty of it. It's so many different ways you can take it. Oh yeah, it's both. I mean, and it can, the it can swing either way as well. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's your philosophy lesson for the day. <laughs> so, uh, moving into um, a little bit on your side of the matter, Jaganitsu, um, as far as like. Since you said from a very young age, you've been into the transformation scene. So uh, when it comes to transformation itself, uh, what exactly do you look for uh, that kind of qualifies it as a good material? For me, like I would, I was like, before getting into what I like from an artistic standpoint and from a TF standpoint, like there has to be a, an, a decent overarching, like, story to what i'm reading or or re, uh, watching through art like i like to have a, a definitive um progression throughout the transformation rather than just like a, a quick snap or poof you know um because it's not just like, the tf itself is is also very interesting of course like that's that's the main draw but before and after are also things that should be i feel aren't necessarily um talked about as often like you know they a lot of stories may have like the the beginning and then the TF happens and then nothing much happens. Like no one seems to like to delve into the the aftermath of a TF. Um, but for me, like I think I can blame artistically. I I I would blame Pinocchio's donkey transformation as something like the. Uh, I'm not a fan. Of, I'm not a huge fan of equine transformation. But the uh, whenever I'm you know viewing a TF, I always look for um, decent poor TFs or or decent hand transformations, because that's one of the main things about Feral TF is that one of the key things that defines us as human are our opposable thumbs and our fingers. Like that's why we're at the top of the food chain. So seeing the loss of those is a definite stage of, oh, no, you're becoming something less than or more than human. Um, and so that's a big thing for me. I like, I like good, good uh, shots of the hands there. Um, everyone likes a good tail, tail growth. Like, mm-hmm. Tales are the best bit of being a being a fairy, right? Uh, or being a TF fan, like everyone. Will, I'm fairly sure nine nine out of ten transformation fans will say, "Yeah, tail." Um, and then, like last but not least, like the 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 muzzle and the and the final facial changes as well. I'm back. See, uh, I was just see. Right. It, it didn't like the fact that I didn't say it earlier, so it kicked me out of the uh, connection. But no. Um, <clears throat> so you, uh, let's just take a run up at it. I'm sure Cheese can take it out in editing. Right, man. Yep. Oh, we didn't do our British accents in the middle, in the interim. Oh dear, never mind. <laughs> we did not. Um, yeah, no. <clears throat> yeah, I'll kick myself now for not saying it earlier, but um, as a TF artist, um, I think that a strong um, anatomy is, is, is key. Like your, your, your uh, anatomy within a sequence must, you know, it must at least look realistic. 
the idea is that I'm trying to suspend my disbelief and I want this to be real, right? So the more realistic a sequence is, um, the more I'm going to enjoy it. Like, uh, you know, I appreciate the, the toony style and it has its place and, you know, I'm not against it as a whole, but for, my, for myself personally, I, a, a strong anatomy will, will make a sequence that much better, especially if you can see that the artist has put years into making, her anatomy, uh, making the anatomy of, of her artwork just that much better. Right, right. So, um, a little bit about your work itself, Urban. Um, I notice a lot of your gallery consists of some pencil work, and I do know you're uh, trying to move into the digital inking world here. So, um, when it comes to that matter, do you sort of prefer pencil or uh, uh, traditional coloring over digital, or is it kind of a exchange that works well together? Um, well, in other people's work, it's uh, totally open to what they've done with it. I've got no real bias in artwork itself. But for me, yeah, I mean, I, I started as a traditional artist. Uh, I started with a crayon stub when I was three. And, and I love that, again, where I say visceral with the transformations. I think I'm a very physical person like that because there's something about having that that physical contact with uh, a sketch pad, uh, a real connection. You know, just the, the strokes are so much more instinctive and natural for me than say when I'm on a digital tablet because then I'm I'm drawing to the screen and I'm sure if I got a, a fancy you know screen draw it'd feel different but I've tried it with friends and there's still this level of dissociation between the surface and my hand. And I'm sure that's something I can overcome in training. But there is also something to my eye and when I, I give someone a piece of work about having the only original and having something physical you can look at. And there's so much you do with a traditional piece that you can, you have to do a similar thing with a digital piece, but you do it in a different way. Like with a traditional piece, it's about lighting. It's about bringing the light of the page through. It's about working with the roughness of the page or overcoming the roughness of the page. Uh, with a painting, it'll be about how you level the painting, how you, you know, create that texture through the, the application of the paint and with the brush and all of these lovely physical things I don't have with digital. Digital is such a, a really clean way of going about it. And I like that. I like the traditional. I like the mistakes that become the piece, the ones that you don't erase. Um, I find that with digital, it, it can end up quite clipped because of the freedom to undo. Whereas I, I like those edges you get with it. And I mean, I feel a lot more satisfaction when I've completed a traditional piece and I hand it over and then I can share the scan than say when I do a digital piece and you, you send a high resolution one to the commissioner. But at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't feel original or it doesn't feel unique. And that's a definite trade. I mean, the, there's so much digital is going for it that, that the fact is that I think it's just that physicality. And, and also, you know, I've been I've been doing digital. I got my first tablet less than two years ago now, uh, very first foray into digital work. And I've been drawing on sketch pads my whole life. So I might catch up. But right now, I, I definitely like the feel of it. But I love the, the clean. I love the freedom you get with digital art to do things like soft lighting, to do things like layers um, and to just remove and replace in a, a really easy and clean way. You can come out with a much more. I mean, we were talking about anatomy I mean, with a traditional piece. Often, if I look at something and go, I got that wrong, I'll redraw. 
Whereas with a digital piece, I can go, oh, I got that wrong, but I really like that. And you can just change it. So I like both. I'm a traditional artist, but there's also something you can do where uh, I actually got this from an awesome artist called EC Major, who I mentioned the last time. Uh, EC Major, not a transformation artist, brilliant furry artist, does a lot of porn though. So that's not your bag. You might want to stay away from the gallery, but definitely worth (laughs) a look. Um, Because basically what he does, he's also a graphite artist. And he was absolutely awesome when I contacted him and said, dude, how do you do that? You've got all of your lines. You've got all your lovely, you've got the graphite, the texture of the page, all of that's come through. And yet you've colored it digitally. So, for example, he does a pony picture and he's done it in that lovely, that lovely graphite style with all the roughness and with the pages coming through. And then he's got that lovely clean color, which is what pony art's all about. And he said, multiply layers multiply layers color burn and he told me a little bit about how to do it and so now i i love working with that so i can actually do that that smudge art that almost finger art and then add the colors digitally which for me is almost the best of both worlds right okay so it's interesting you say that since um a uh, previous podcaster uh, rania pretty much stated the same thing about um going from traditional versus digital so uh in a sense are you saying that with um, digital uh, inking and even coloring, you have the creative freedom since, like you said, uh, if you make a mistake, you can undo that um, versus traditional where you got to sort of pre-think your actions uh, since if you make a mistake, it'll be a little harder to uh, repair or uh, correct that. So um, in a sense, do you feel that with uh, digital inking that you can sort of get lazy as far as far as creative juices goes to um, get that that uh, that work to pop out a little bit more as compared to if you were to do the same thing with traditional art? Yeah, I don't think it's inherent in the medium, Um, I think, because, of course, you can be lazy with digital, you can be lazy with traditional. I mean, and again, what's laziness? I've, I've got a couple of pieces that are literally where I've been very emotional and I've grabbed the pencil and it's essentially the pencil hasn't left the page and it's just line, 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 line. And it creates this really rough style. And there's a couple of pieces I've done like that that I absolutely love because and the mistakes that are worked into it create that atmosphere in the piece as well. Um, and again, with digital, you could equally just do that. And then you know, the tools you've got at your disposal, you get lazy. Is it a bad thing? Does it create a style? I, I think it probably depends on the person. Um, but I definitely, I occasionally drunk draw and I end up with <laughs> stuff that's really spontaneous that I, that I actually quite like, flaws and all. But I couldn't drunk digital because I'd feel the mistakes. They wouldn't mm-hmm. feel like part of the piece. So uh, yeah, horses, horses for courses. Um, I think you can, I think, I think you can treat either medium badly. I think you can do amazing things with either one. Okay. I just like, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> just like yeah. what I like. But it's also, it's all about improvement. I mean, the thing I've liked the most about going digital is that it's a new medium. I mean, I, I paint as well, and I, I would never paint like I draw with a pencil. And I think digital, again, is like that, where there's a big trend at the moment to think of it as either or, and to think of one as either a progression or the root of the other. Whereas kind of, again, like with uh, if you've ever painted, if you use acrylics and then you use oils, 
they're two completely different beasts and you can get some, you, know, you can do things with one that you can't do as effectively with the other and vice versa. I think possibly, I mean, give it 10 years, I think we'll be thinking the same thing with digital. <laughs> right. And uh, was there anything I'd like had... to think so. <laughs> I gotcha. So was there anything you had to add to that, Jal? Um, only opinion-based, really. Um, I really like uh, the techniques that Urban Vixen is using to, use, to not only uh, progress her traditional art, art style, but she has found a way to mix her traditional techniques with, a digital, with digital techniques. So you can see in her work that there's a combination of the two. Um, even if it's a digital piece, you can still see the, the traditional style behind it. Um, and that obviously, uh, coupled with, with her great ana anatomy, is just like, yeah, this is awesome. I don't pay this guy, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, you, I'm awesome. putting you over. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's only I, good matter. <laughs> you can't see me blush, it's all good. <laughs> Well, on that note, we'll go ahead and uh, bring it to break, and uh, we'll be back in a few to uh, continue with the podcast. Thanks again for everyone for listening. <laughs> 